Welcome to episode 25 of the Ministry at Scale podcast, where we share tips and trends from industry leaders to help you multiply digital impact. Today, I had an insightful conversation with my friend, Justin Wise. He shared his secrets on how your organization can cut through the media clutter and really stand out. You'll also gain a unique perspective on how the power of running experiments or A-B testing can transform the way that you run your operation. 5Q has a super simple way to run those A-B experiments on your website through our personalization platform, Journity. The quickest way for you to learn how is to take our free personalization challenge. Just go to journity.com slash personalization dash challenge. You'll also want to listen all the way to the end to learn why Justin, a social media giant in many ways, has actually canceled his LinkedIn and YouTube accounts. What I'm seeing now is ministries, nonprofits, churches are kind of left staggering. And the question that I see the most successful ones answering is, how are we different? Well, today I'm excited to have Justin Wise joining us. I've been a fan and a follower of Justin's since the time he was a marketing director for a web development company focused on the church market. You remember those days way back then, Justin? I remember them fondly, yes. (laughs) Well, Justin is a marketer. He's also an author of the book, Social Church. He's an entrepreneur who started several businesses, both face-based and marketplace arena. Uh, But one thread that flows through everything that Justin does is, is really he's a master at social media. And he also has a heart for helping others be successful. And uh, so Justin, I just want to say thank you for carving out some time and joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. So Justin, first, just just walk us through your work experience. You know, what brought you to the place today where you've got all kinds of experience on the social media side and working both with ministries, but as well as with the uh, the marketplace? Well, I took the obvious career path of house painter turned pastor turned entrepreneur. That's awesome. So, you know, yeah, yeah. The standard standard old career path that everybody takes just, out of just college. what you just what you advise your kids to do, right? Yes. Yeah, so I graduated college and with a, a degree in electronic media, which which back then electronic basically media, meant Yeah, yeah, did that that does that I didn't even know that degree existed back when you and I were in college. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so, so I graduated in 2003. And so it was about that time where Facebook was starting to pick up momentum and the year I graduated or the year after I graduated, they rolled it out to all college campuses. So it's really my college experience predates social media. And so what that meant for us was we basically learned how to like video edit on iMovie uh, what the equivalent of iMovie and like hand code HTML websites. So that's what it meant to be an e-media major. And I graduated and thought I was going to move to Los Angeles and get into the entertainment industry. And, and that was very quickly, uh, I put the kibosh on that pretty quickly after an internship out in Los Angeles hmm. and, and, and decided that's not what I wanted to do. So I moved back home and uh, in college, I had painted houses, started a house painting business with some of my friends. And so started doing that and really looked around and said, and I got this fancy pants degree. What am I going to do with it? So I started volunteering at our local church and in between, you know, trucking my ladders around town and just started volunteering more. And then eventually got a part-time position there and then eventually went full-time and uh, went to seminary 
and was going to be an ordained Lutheran pastor. And as so many things in my life tend to go, about 96% of the way through, I, I had a gut check and realized I, I don't want to do this. So long story short, ended up going out on my own uh, after that and started working with uh, what I knew best at that time, was, which, which was churches and ministries and helping them set up their social media accounts. You know, back then this was brand new for most churches. And so one thing kind of led to another and then realized, hey, I can make a business out of this. And so started my own business. And so just have really been doing that ever since. I've sold a few of those businesses and started new ones. Uh, But really what has remained the same is my love for helping people identify their core message and then Hmm. matching up the best mediums to that message Mm -hmm. for those people, businesses, organizations to make the most impact that they can possibly make. That's, that's great. I, I know I know you've mentioned this a couple of times when at one point in your transition, you actually applied at 5Q. Yes. Remember that? Remember that? You came down. To I do remember that. And uh, I think it was like right before then that uh, you you decided to start your own business. And yeah. I'll, I'll be candid with, I mean, yeah, we didn't offer you the job because I really felt you were overqualified for the role that we had, just had you, that we had, they had available at that time. And uh, yeah as much as I would have loved to have you on the team, you know, I, I, I didn't want to put you in a spot where, you know, the, the uh, you, you wouldn't be happy long-term. And then I think it was right after that, you started your own company and took off like a rocket ship and uh, been fun to, fun to watch you since then. And it was Chad, it was after, I remember that drive home. Cause I live for those who may not know, I live right down the road from Chad in Des Moines. It's about an hour away. I remember that drive home very distinctly because we had a great time in Atlantic Went out to lunch. You showed me the the, the setup, and the massive it was office at, building. That's right, attached to our house. And it was like that drive home. I realized, like, wow, I am, I am not only not supposed to work elsewhere. I'm actually supposed to start my own thing. Hmm. And you were very gracious in in encouraging me in that. You know, I had some I had great people in my life kind of nudging me in that direction as well. But you know, sometimes it doesn't click until it clicks, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, so it clicked and it's been a great journey ever since. No, that's, that's great. I know for a time you worked for some really large ministries like Compassion International, Thomas Nelson and others. What? And then you've also worked for some small businesses. So so what are, what are some of the changes that you've seen over the years, both that, that would apply both to the large organizations as well as to the smaller ones that, hey, you know, there's, Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, but right. what are some of those things that we should, as, as, as leaders, have in mind as we're leading in this digital space? What's been the most interesting thing for me to, to observe is, is um, I, I think, with the sheer volume of messages and the sheer volume, and I don't want to say noise, but just the sheer magnitude of, of, of digital information we all have access to, you know, that has been a paradigm shift. Thomas Kuhn talks about in one of his books, how humanity has these small little increments of change and then a huge, massive paradigm shift all at once. And we just, we, we are going through, and I believe we're in still in that massive paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And so what I've noticed in the last, so, so, so just clarification, what are you, what yeah. do you say a massive, per, are, are you talking about 
like you, you, you hear people talk about the Gutenberg printing press and now it's the internet. Is, is that the kind of shift or is there something a little bit more micro that we're experiencing right now? I think you you had the beginnings of the shift. I believe we're in the same, we're, we're in the shift still. Still in the shift. We're gotcha. in the gotcha. shift. Yeah, yeah. But the beginnings of the shift, they they started to happen when, you know, let's just say these, these social media platforms started to really take root in the popular culture mm-hmm. because it kind of moved from the fringe to the center. Mm-hmm. And so in our context, anyway, you have organizations now who, who are moving into these platforms and they have abilities, uh, both good and bad, or I should say positive and negative that they did not have before. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so part of that includes the ability to communicate to anyone and everyone at all times. Um, and there are pros and cons to that, right? So the pro, the advantage of that is any ministry, any church, any business can sign up for a YouTube account or a Facebook account or publish a blog or whatever, and essentially have the potential for their message to be heard by the entire world. Never before has that been a possibility, and it's possible now. Mm-hmm. The other side of that coin is that anyone with an internet connection can be heard by the rest of the entire world, mm-hmm. which means there's a lot of messages out there. Uh, there's a lot of noise. And so the one thing that I've noticed is people moving from saying, look, at we, we can communicate, we can be on these platforms and send our message, whatever it may be to the world, but on the receiving end of that, you have people saying, I don't even know how to cut through the clutter and begin to to categorize and intake all of this information. Mm -hmm. So what I see, the, the lesson in that, the learning is, what I'm seeing now is ministries, nonprofits, churches are kind of left staggering and the question that I see the most successful ones answering is, how are we different? How are we different? How, how do we identify how we're different? Because, listen, if you're a, if you're a ministry that, uh, you know, works with helping to adopt people for, you know, adopt children, guess what? There's hundreds of other ministries just like it. So, so that aspect isn't so unique anymore. So now you have to identify what is it that makes us different and unique because that's what cuts through the clutter and connects ultimately with your, you know, your, your ideal donor, let's say. Hmm. It's fascinating that, that that's what you're focusing on is because a lot of times those of us that are in the tech space, we get enamored with the technology, yes. enamored with the tactics, enamored with the strategies. But what you're saying is that it's, it's really, it's about what makes you different is about the content. It's about the wording, the messaging, and and being able to like clearly identify and articulate in a way that others can understand that difference. Um, so it's not about the tactics as much as it's about the a lot lower foundation. Uh, how, what are some some tools or tips or maybe even process that you take um, folks through to help them identify uh, how they are different? Um, you know, I've. We use uh, some of uh, oh, Miller's story brand work inside of our company. Now, that's one that's fairly popular right now. But what are, what are some of the other resources that you've used or questions that you use when you're working with organizations? 
So I've developed a framework to help people think through this because, you know, sometimes and I want to caution folks because it's not necessarily saying like some ministries that you, that you and I both know they're, I mean, they have, they're hundreds, they're a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of, some of the best ministries on the planet have a longevity. And what I would not want them to do is to, is mm-hmm. to feel like they need to change what they do. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about shifting fundamentally what you do, unless that needs to change. But for most people, that doesn't need to change. Mm-hmm. What needs to change is the way in which we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we help people do that, it's very, very simple. We've developed a framework. It's called uh, the different framework. And the first step is differentiate. So the question that you ask is, how do we get attention? How are we going to capture attention, period? Now, that sounds obvious and it sounds straightforward until you really start thinking about it. Because what I know to be true in my work with nonprofits is that many of them, many of them will um, rely on the longevity of their donors to hmm. accomplish the mission, right? In, in business, we would call that word of mouth referrals. Mm-hmm. But in nonprofit, it's just looking at, okay, we've got these donors, these partners who've been on board forever. And so there's not as much urgency to say, how do we go out and capture new eyeballs? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm painting with broad brushstrokes here, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so the goal is to say, how are we going to communicate what we do in a way that is different than, let's say, other organizations that share the same mission that we have. Mm-hmm. So to put this in business terms, you, let's say you owned a, a yogurt shop. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm just yogurt. thinking about a fro froyo, baby. Froyo. There we go. Uh, I just helped a, a frozen yogurt shop do this here in town. So it's, they're top of my mind. Nice. I was like, listen, man. Yeah. You got froyo, but so does like literally 10 other places within three miles of where we're standing. Mm-hmm. So, so how are you going to get people's attention in a way that is quantifiably different than the ways that some of these other froyo shops are getting attention? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that means going outside best practices. Mm-hmm. It means thinking and pushing yourself. And you know, you don't want to be gimmicky or spammy, but it is to say, how are we going to capture attention? Mm-hmm. in a way that is different because I know we, we don't like the word competition when it comes to nonprofits and, and ministries, but the reality is people, donors, potential donors only have so many dollars to give mm-hmm. and they can give it to your organization that does underwater basket weaving, or they can give it to a different organization that does underwater basket weaving. The reality is there's two choices there. Those two choices mean there's competition. And so being aware of this and saying, we are, our goal first and foremost is to capture attention Mm -hmm. because you can't do the rest of the process until you have people's attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so for instance, that might mean, uh, you know, one example was, uh, and this is a real easy one, but like Facebook advertising, this was, this was more new back in the day, but there are some nonprofits who may want to say, listen, Nobody else doing what we do is pushing dollars into Facebook advertising. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that. We don't necessarily know what we're doing. We're going to learn. We're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But that medium 
is ripe for the picking. So that's where we're going to go. Does that make sense so far? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does. You've got to, basically it's about reaching new people that you haven't, I mean, you've got your, your, your current donors, but Hey, how do you, how do you let others know? And what is the, uh, where, where are they living at and how do we get there and how do we capture their attention? Yeah. And I can't overemphasize because, you know, if you were to ask, if we were standing on stage together doing a talk and we asked the audience a question of, you know, full of uh, digital, digitally minded, digital directors, digital marketers for nonprofits, we said, hey, how do you, how do you do donor development? My guess is there are probably three to five tactics that everybody in the room is going to, is going to do. And our goal, if we were working with someone, our goal would be to identify those and not you know, out of hand, dismiss all of them, but to say, how can we maybe use a different medium Mm -hmm. or how can we put a different message on the same medium that everybody else was using? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's first and foremost, where you got to start. If you don't get the attention, the rest of the process doesn't work because you move from differentiate to attract. And the goal of attract is engagement, right? So Mm -hmm. when you attract someone, there's engagement happening there, meaning, they like you. They they like you. They like what you're about. They like interacting with you. The goal mm-hmm. isn't so much like, hey, give me your money here. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the goal is how do we begin to foster and develop a relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, people reject you at the engagement stage if you present an opportunity that is unsafe mm-hmm. or or if, if it's unsafe or uh or it's so bizarre or out of the box, they will reject the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things we look at is to say in the attract stage, hmm. when think of it like, you know, you're dating someone. What are some of those asks that you can make to build up that attract and engagement stage? So for example, like there's a church here in town that is fantastic at doing this and they're, 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 this church is larger than most nonprofits, so that's why I'm okay using them as an example, mm-hmm. is their, their social media feed, their Instagram stories is so fantastic mm-hmm. because they will, they will basically show you behind the scenes of the church throughout the week. So you feel like you get to know the cast and the characters and the places even when you're not there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's fantastic use of social to build up engagement mm-hmm. because when you, when you present an ask or, 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 a, 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 you know, something in the attract stage and it is, it, it's an, it's an unsafe opportunity. You cut that relationship off right then and there. Hmm. And so you don't get to the final stage, which is direct. And direct is probably what we're most familiar with in marketing, which is go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go, go, go do- donate here. So, you know, sign up to be a volunteer, attend this service, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where we get. And we've earned the right to say, Hey, go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you have to make sure that it is not an unreasonable ask. The reason why people reject organizations at the direct stage is because the ask you're making is unreasonable. Mm. Um, and so really understanding for your organization, what is a reasonable ask here? Is the reasonable ask that we say, hey, sign up for a $10 a month recurring gift? Or is a reasonable ask, hey, you 
donate 10 grand to get this table at our in-person gala because uh, I've worked with organizations that do both of those things mm-hmm. and that's how they fund their ministries. Um, but if, if they were to flip and reverse those asks, mm-hmm. they would be completely unreasonable for each mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. So it's really simple. It's really straightforward. Differentiate, attract, direct. Mm-hmm. That's what we use to help people get momentum. No, that's, that's fantastic. That's a very simple process. I, I don't think I've ever, the, 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 the two words you used in, in describing, you know, really it's about why don't people engage at certain levels, the, the, the picture of being unsafe and the picture of the ask being unreasonable. Uh, I, I love those. I hope our audience is listening to that and, and look at the things that you're doing, whether it's on social media or all your digital things, and, and are you doing the things that you need to, to be able to create a safe place, kind of pulling the, pulling back the curtains a little bit and let people see what's going on behind the scenes. I, I know one thing I've observed about your email writing style is it, it is, it comes across as very personal, like, Hey, sometimes you use chat or, Hey man, what's up? Um, here's what's latest on, you know, latest on my, on my radar, tell me your thoughts, one or two words, what, what's your thoughts? And uh, talk to me about how important it is for an organization or people inside the organization to develop their own personas around the, yeah. the styles to, to help create that safe haven where, the, where, where these new audience members feel safe. This is so important. And it's such a great question because you know, the result of my, the email style that you're, you're describing was a result of uh, what, what we would now call experiments. Mm-hmm. So ran many experiments on experimenting with the tone, the word choice, the uh, subject lines, mail merge, all that good stuff. And eventually got to a point where I could, where I could, can, you know, pretty consistently nail r- the results. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I would encourage listeners to do is to, is to experiment and start your experiment, especially when it comes to email or really content in general. You know, the brands that uh, can find their, their voice and a unique voice typically are the ones that, success maybe isn't the right word, but they're definitely the ones that get heard. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what I see, uh, there's, um, you know, if you want a good example of this, look at uh, Wendy's, you know, the, uh, the fast food joint, mm-hmm. look at their Twitter page. It's out of control and it's beautiful because mm-hmm. Wendy's somewhere along the way said, listen, we're going to give the keys to the kingdom. I don't know who does it, mm-hmm. but they've developed a very clear persona and they've basically like banned corporate speak from their Twitter account. Hmm. And it it's so intriguing and it's so relatable and it's so personable that like, I don't eat a ton of fast food, but part of me just wants to go to Wendy's because I love what they're doing <clears throat> on Twitter. And I think, especially with nonprofits and ministries, you know, having been, I, I was on a church staff for seven years. Uh, I've worked with global nonprofits and super small uh, ministries and everywhere in between, there's a, there's this outside pressure to conform mm. 
to a certain, you know, verbiage, mm -hmm. a certain tone, a certain rhythm. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why that is. They aren't important for our discussion. But my first kind of recommendation would be to say, what can you push up against? After you identify some of those constraints, what can you what can you challenge or push up against with an experiment? An experiment is simply, mm -hmm. we're gonna do differentiate, attract, direct for a certain amount of time. Then we're gonna evaluate, did this, did this do what we wanted it to do or did it not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And really experimenting with, okay, maybe we're gonna be a little more casual in our emails, or maybe we're gonna push the boundaries a little bit in terms of you know, our transparency. Uh, or maybe we're going to focus in on, you know, um, the success stories mm -hmm. and it, whatever it might be. I mean, the, the, the list of things to experiment with are vast and varied, but, mm -hmm. you know, at least for me and for my experience in business, that's typically where you'll see the breakthroughs mm -hmm. is when you say, listen, we've been doing things this way for a certain amount of time for so long. And if we don't like what we're seeing or we want to grow, we're going to have to do something different. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of fear around that, but I would say that the fear, the greater fear in people's minds really needs to be, what if we keep doing what we've always been doing mm -hmm. and our results never change? Like, I can't imagine anything more scary than that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And there's also a dynamic here too, where, you know, ministries and nonprofits, especially, Businesses have customers and clients. Uh, ministries have donors. Mm -hmm. And the market always wins. Um, and so with businesses, they seem a little more willing to say, um, uh, we're going to try some experimentation, come what may. Mm -hmm. And I understand too, because like with ministries, a donor, to me, there's a much, there's a deeper relationship there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, than let's say a customer or a client with a business. Um, I mean, I like my local sandwich shop, don't get me wrong, but if they close tomorrow, I'm not going to shed a tear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's another one. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll go down the street and find a new sandwich mm -hmm. joint. Mm -hmm. But with ministries, you know, there is that connection of like, we don't necessarily have a product per se, but you have chosen to give your hard-earned dollars and cents to us. So there is a deeper mm -hmm. connection there. So I want to be, I want to be cautious. I want to be cognizant. I want to be mindful of that connection. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately the market speaks. And I would also say like with marketing too, in general, and your communication style, you want to get, you want to create polarity. This is the biggest thing I see as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, you want to create polarity, meaning you want to get to the nose the people who are always going to say no, you want to get them to know as fast as humanly possible. That is like, the people, that, that is like the antithesis of the way we naturally think, isn't it? Yes. Like, you want people to like you. So you're going to tread this middle ground. But what you're saying right. is you want to identify who it is your audience is and identify with those people so strongly that those that don't identify, you'll know that right away. Is that right? Yes. And they will, they will, they will leave your ecosystem 
right quick. Mm-hmm. I did an experiment where like, when I started really leaning into my voice and really start to, to double down on that, my unsubscribes went through the roof mm-hmm. and I couldn't have been happier mm-hmm. because I knew if they, if, if people on my list were repelled by the tone that I was using in my emails, what are the chances they're going to be happy as a client or a customer? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like my personality dials up to 10 on my courses, on my coaching, all that kind of stuff. So if they don't yeah. like the emails, yeah. they're not going to like the courses. Yeah. And yeah. I think with nonprofits and ministries, there's this, I, I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's fear, but there's this, um, it's with anybody. It's not just ministries. Business mm-hmm. owners, listen, I, I coach business owners all the time. They struggle with this as well. There's this fear that if I lean into this brand voice, mm-hmm. I'm going to somehow offend people who were never going to cross that line to begin with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, no, that's what you actually want to do. Because for as many people say no, there's going to be way more people who are going to connect with that true brand voice and yeah. identity. And those folks are the ones who are going to be your donors for a long, long time. And they're going to be your biggest advocates as well. Totally. They're not going to be the uh, middle of the road. They're going to be your, your biggest from a word of mouth standpoint. And uh, they're your, they're your biggest champions. Yeah. Yes. You, you know, I, I, I want our audience to hear what Justin, what you said about experiments or something in our world, we might call it testing experiments or testing. Is it num- number one, you said you, you do it for a certain amount of time. So put a yeah. length of time on it. And make sure that that time, at least in our world, make sure that time is long enough so that you can validate, but short enough. So if it's goes down the wrong way, it doesn't sink the ship. And, and, yeah. second, and secondly, you said you've got to find out at the end whether it worked or didn't. So that means you have to have some measure, some way of measuring whether it's successful or not. And so set the time, measure it, and then be willing to go where the results take you. That's the thing I personally, I, I struggle with. I have this preconceived notion about where the test is going to go. And even if the results come back differently, it's hard for me sometimes to give up that preconceived notion and uh, be willing to hold things with an open hand and say, okay, it's going a different direction. Okay, let's, let's go with it. 100%. I mean, if people are looking for a default experiment, I always say start with 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, when you really start to rep the experiment muscle, I mean, I've done experiments as short as two weeks before I've done experiments that are one week. Mm-hmm. Um, we have clients in our accelerator who have done 90 day experiments, but if you're just, if that's a, a muscle that you're looking to really strengthen, I would say the default is going to be 30 days, 30 days is not enough. Like you said, to sink the ship. Um, but it's also long enough where you can see meaningful results. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that gives you enough time to, to really say, listen, come what may, I'm giving this thing 30 days. It's going to make me uncomfortable in some situations. I may not like what I see, but I'm going to give this 30 days and I'm not going to pull the plug. Uh, now, if the house burns down, metaphorically speaking, and something just totally goes off the rails, well, you pull the plug. But in 99% of the cases, that won't be the case. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of like evaluating success, This to me is the most important part of the process Mm -hmm. Um, because what we look for is differentiate, attract, direct. There's three metrics that you need to identify to go with each one of those steps. Mm. So differentiate, you're basically defining an attention metric. So 
you know, for some businesses, that's going to be eyeballs. It's going to be website visits. It's going to be impressions on your ads. It's going to be uh, phone calls or, or you know, uh, visibility, some sort of visibility metric. Um, attract is going to be engagement metric. So this is going to be something like an opt-in. Uh, you know, we had email leads or opt-in rates or quiz uh, completions, um, you know, attendance at an event. Uh, so establishing what those metrics are for that 30-day experiment mm-hmm. window. So differentiate, mm-hmm. you have a, uh, attention metrics, attract, you have engagement metrics, and then direct, you have what, what I would call conversion metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be vast and varied, but in most cases, you know, if we're, if we're just talking about kind of the run-of-the-mill nonprofits, it's going to be maybe how many new donors did we sign up or mm-hmm. what was, did we increase lifetime value of our donors? Those would be two great metrics to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <clears throat> then saying, okay, this is what we think it's going to be at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So setting your metrics and your projection before, mm-hmm. and then at the end of those 30 days saying, what did we actually, what actually happened? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, just to prepare the, the listener, most of your experiments will not work. <laughs> yeah, failure is good, though. Yeah, I'm saying that's like, and and I think if I can if I can stress one thing, if 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 I could speak to the person listening to this, is I want you to think about experiments not so much as good or bad, but what what did we learn? What did we take away? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What worked? What didn't work? Because in every experiment, there are going to be things that work. In every experiment, there's going to be things that don't work. And it's just shifting the the fulcrum more and more to the side of things that do work before you start. And we have clients in our accelerator right now who they have now a quarterly marketing rhythm based off their successful experiments mm-hmm. because they know they work. Yep. And so, so to me, that's the most important things to pay attention to are identifying those metrics. And then, like you said earlier, like there's lots of times where I'll throw an experiment out the door and I'm thinking to myself, like, this is never going to work. This is totally going to bomb and it kills, totally crushes. And it always ends up where I've like, I, I, I think to myself, this is, this is straight from the throne room of God. This is so good and fresh and pure. Just wait till the world sees this and it totally bombs. Yeah. 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 Good things to pay attention to, but I'm not guessing at that point. Yeah. I know the numbers don't lie. And these are not numbers that somebody else gave me. (laughs) Especially because I know we have a lot of decision makers on this podcast. These are the, the 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 metrics that you deem important. Yeah. Yep. So you you let the numbers guide you, and then you can say that experiment successful, unsuccessful. Let's do a new one. You you made a quote quote a little bit ago. You said that the market always wins, and that, that's what another thing that we talk about that, that a lot of our podcast um, hosts or guests have talked about is is listening to the market. And running experience, doing tests is one way that you can be actively listening to to, to what the market, um, what your audience is, is saying. Yeah. And I, and I love what you said about metrics. I know at, at 5Q, we have what we call the five multipliers of digital impact. 
and it, it just it flows right in it's awareness and, and it's, it's, this isn't a funnel but it really is we'd like to think of them as levers so if you pull these levers this lever up here you're going to get a result on the lead mat metric or the the, the 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 result later so it's it's awareness it's engagement it's conversion rates it's average value and it's retention and mm -hmm. So it's a very similar to what you're talking about, and you know, in, in your world, it's the, it's the, uh, uh, the, the differentiate, the, uh, the attract, and then to direct. As you work with organizations, uh, whether you, you know, in your model, which are the, which is the area that that has the, uh, like in or most organizations, you you see repeated coming up over and over and over again that they need to put. It seems like undue energy behind. Is there any any one of those spaces where you feel like, man, that's the, the, the people just consistently miss the boat there? This is a tough one. Um, I would say if there's one that I see consistently, I'm gonna I'm gonna separate this because I would I'm gonna I would answer different for let's say a business than I would uh, a ministry nonprofit. Um, in general, I would say for a nonprofit, the one thing that I would invite people to pay attention to is the, uh, the, uh, sorry, the differentiate stage hmm. is grabbing that initial attention mm -hmm. because the one thing that I see happen a lot is you have amazing nonprofits and amazing ministries with fantastic causes. And once they get people in the door, they, they know how to take care of them. They know how to nurture those donors. They know how to uh, facilitate and build the relationship. They're, mm -hmm. they're great at it. They're masters at it. Mm -hmm. Way better in most cases than most businesses. Mm -hmm. But what, what I see being the main problem is that th that idea or belief that because we have a faith-based cause, people will just find us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they'll just find us and naturally want to support our cause mm -hmm. because we're faith-based. Mm -hmm. And that's just simply untrue. The, the normal everyday donor doesn't think that way. It's, I call it the field of dream syndrome, right? Build if it if you come. build it, if you build it, they will come and you know, I connect with that movie very obviously because I live in Iowa, but I just think it's such a good caution uh, for for donor for uh, nonprofits because, in many cases, they have no clue you even exist, uh, and yeah. they don't even really know what you do. They're not clear. They don't understand. It's not because you're bad or because your cause is bad mm -hmm. or because you don't care. You, you care most likely more than most. Mm -hmm. It's just simply really paying attention to how and having a regular rhythm and way to, to capture people's attention mm -hmm. and to differentiate yourself in those attention-grabbing experiments or attention-grabbing components of the experiment mm -hmm. in such a way that you, you push your own boundaries, you push your own limits. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned earlier, one of the big, uh, 
because social media, because digital, everything in digital is so pervasive, there's so much clutter out there. And, and just how do you cut through the clutter? Now that's, yes. man, you, you've covered some great material, both first, just on a framework to how to think and how to differentiate yourself, but also on the value of, of running experiments and testing and being and not just a one-time thing, but it should be a continual thing. You know, what are we testing this week, this month, this quarter that we can, uh, and, and let that not just inform you, but change your behavior moving forward. Um, Justin, you know, as you've served with all kinds of organizations, big and small, and uh, you know the kind of the, the phase in, in your life where you're at right now. What is one book or blog or resource that you've read recently that you have been impacted by that you can recommend to our audience? The book that is I think about the most consistently these days is called The Fourth Turning. Hmm. Um, and you know I'm I'm at a point now where like <laughs> I. I'm so bad because I don't, I don't buy physical books anymore. So, so I will almost always buy the audiobook and listen okay. to it. And if I really, I, if I really like it, I'll buy the Kindle version and then reread re it on Kindle. Okay. So I'm ashamed to say I, I couldn't even name the authors right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but the book is called The Fourth Turning. It is blowing my mind. Hmm. Um, and it talks about kind of big picture the stage of history that we're all in collectively and how throughout history, there has been these shifts, usually about once in a generation and talking about the importance of the shift. So we just moved into mm -hmm. the fourth kind of the fourth turning. That's what the book's called the fourth turning, this fourth shift. Mm -hmm. And so they're predicting this to last until I think middle of this decade, maybe till the end of the decade. And they model it against, you know, you know, hundreds of thousands of years of human history. And it's just eerie to see kind of the similarities between other fourth turnings and where we're at now hmm. and what that means for, for us as business owners and as ministry leaders. Uh, it's, it's probably what I think of the most. Fascinating. I've not heard of that book. We'll, uh, we'll have to look that up. That, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds really... Uh, really fascinating. Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Um, how can people contact yeah. you if they want to sign up for your email list or, or see how uh, connect with you on your framework? You know, how can, how's the best way to connect with you? Probably the best way to go is to sign up for our different kit. You can get that at differentcompany.co, differentcompany.co. Once you're there, you'll see uh, me and my business partner. You can sign up for a different kit. And we give away a ton of resources around that framework that we talked about today. Nice. So differentcompany.co and sign up for yep. the kit. Awesome. I, I knew you weren't going to say LinkedIn Don't because <laughs> I was actually looking for you on LinkedIn and, yeah. and you weren't there. And you said that you've been going off some of the social media fairly I mean, yeah. within the last year or so. Talk to me about that decision. Why have you chosen to move off of social media and um, what's been the positive or negative impact for, for, for you personally and professionally? It's kind of a long, boring story, but I'll condense it into basically saying that at first there were just, just from a mental health standpoint, I found myself struggling under the weight of some of these platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then there became some privacy issues and I didn't like where some of the platforms were headed. Mm -hmm. So I took a really good, long, hard look at my personal involvement on these platforms and decided to leave some of those, what I believe to be now permanently. At first I started as just kind of an experiment um, and to say, what would it be like if I was off Facebook for a month? Mm -hmm. Well, a month turned into two months, turned into three months. And I really have no desire or drive to go back to that platform (laughs) ever again. Yeah. So, so, but, but, you know, I still love social. My first love has always been Twitter. Yeah. Um, I will probably always be on Twitter and I'm also active on Instagram now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, and my answer is different too, for if you're using them for business purposes or ministry purposes, but I think just for me and personally, um, and the whole world kind of blends together anymore anyway. So mm-hmm. I just, I just saw some things and being involved in the space day in, day out, mm-hmm. I'm probably overexposed more than most. And I just really had to take a look at, is this good? Is this, uh, is this healthy for me to be active on these platforms? And do I like what these platforms stand for? Some of the answers were yes. Some of the answers were no. That's great. That's, that's great. And then to be able to not be so tied to the persona that we have on these platforms to be able to say, Oh, I can step away. And, uh, yeah, like you said, run, run an experiment like that. Well, again, thanks, Justin. Great conversation. Loved having you. Anything we can do, just let us know. You bet, Chad. Thank you.